Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So glad to have you here with us today. Um, We've got a, a new test format going on here, so I'm pretty excited about that. I hope you'll give us a little bit of your grace and mercy as we work through the no, new program. I've been so excited about bringing this broadcast to you, not only through the Oath Keepers channel on Roku, Fire Stick, uh, Apple TV, and Samsung TV, but also through YouTube. We stream live now whenever we can, which has been a lot lately. And in our attempt to make this such a better experience for you, we now have JC, who is doing production of all of the the the, stu- the side stuff, all the computer activity. JC is going to actually be watching and monitoring the YouTube channel. And so we can have a more interactive uh, conversation with you and a more interactive experience with you as we do this show. Remember, I'm a teach show, not a talk show. So we're not here to just talk at you. We, uh, we really truly want this to be a learning experience. So as We bring current events to you from a constitutional and liberty-principled perspective. We are truly engaging in a teaching and learning process with you. So I know you guys are used to having JC on the show, uh, but JC is still here. You just can't see him right now, and he will be joining us in future shows uh, via audio. He's going to be chiming in. We just don't have that quite yet today. So the first... Uh, the first story that I want to talk about today is something that is relatively new to me. And believe it or not, something that Dick Durbin is trying to fix. Um, yes, there's something wrong that's actually wrong. And yes, Dick Durbin actually has it right, which is really kind of crazy because, you know, hey, I guess. A broke clock gets it right twice a day. But Dick Durbin has teamed up with Chuck Grassley to introduce a piece of federal legislation that would prohibit the use of this crazy, crazy legal principle. I say legal, not lawful, called acquitted conduct. And what's crazy is I don't remember ever hearing about this in law school. 
I don't know if you've been to law school and you've heard of acquitted conduct or if they taught you about acquitted conduct, please chime in and let me know because this is absolutely mind-blowing. But apparently it has been a federal practice for a long time. It doesn't happen on the state level, praise God. It doesn't happen on the local level, praise God. But it is happening and has been happening for some time now in the federal court system. As a matter of fact, we go all the way back to uh, you know, when Scalia was still alive, there's a case that we're going to refer to today called um, Joseph Jones v. United States. And this case was decided October 14, 2014, where the Supreme Court actually refused to hear the case on acquitted conduct. Now, let me explain this to you. What is acquitted conduct? Acquitted conduct is when you have a trial before a federal court, like a criminal trial, and you go before a jury trial in federal court. And as you're in federal court, you get the verdict from the jury. So the prosecutors charged you with four counts, right? And the jury says, no, 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 you're not guilty of counts one, two, three, but you are guilty of count four. So the judge, now that you've been found guilty on count four, by all legal practice since the beginning of our legal history, and I mean, I take this all the way back to, you know, Great Britain and their legal history that we adopted, right? The judge then, after getting the verdict of not guilty for three counts and guilty on the fourth count, will now sentence according to the fourth count. Unless you're in federal court. If you are in federal court and you've been acquitted by a jury of your peers by three counts, found guilty of one count, federal courts use this practice called acquitted conduct where now the judge will sentence you on the fourth count taking into, into consideration and sentencing you in the guidelines of the other three counts. Yes, you have been found not guilty of those counts, but in the federal court, according to this practice of acquitted conduct, the judge in federal court now considers the three charges that you've been found not guilty of and sentences you in the fourth count along with the sentencing of the three that you were found not guilty. You really think I'm making this up, don't you? This really, really, really sounds insane. It's absolutely insane. And in 2014, the majority court had the opportunity to stop this practice. See, prior courts have said, well, this does not violate double jeopardy. Okay, what about the Fifth Amendment? What about the Sixth Amendment, a right to a trial by jury of your peers? What is the stinking point of having a trial by jury if, guess what, the jury finds you not guilty and you're sentenced for the crimes that you were not found guilty of anyway? You can't even describe this in any realm of sanity fitting in any kind of due process box. I would like to give this some kind of political tag, like, like, I don't know, socialism, communism, Marxism, banana republic. This is just complete judicial anarchy. 
JC, would that be the proper terminology for this judicial anarchy? Not right to me. <laughs> JC says, sounds right to him. I just, sometimes I misapply that term anarchy, so I'm always trying to check in with JC to see what's going on. But think about this, right? Think about this. You're found not guilty by a jury of your peers, and the judge says, oh, gee whiz, that's great. So now I'm going to sentence you to those crimes anyway. So the Supreme Court, in their brilliant precedent, you know, the oligarchy of kings and queens who rarely shuck any power whatsoever, has said, well, the practice of acquitted conduct is okay because it doesn't violate double jeopardy, meaning when the judge sentences you for a crime that you've actually been acquitted for, you're not actually going to trial on that crime twice, right? Because that's what double jeopardy means, being tried twice for the same crime. So you're not being tried twice for the same crime. You're just being sentenced on something you're not guilty of. I don't even, this is just, it's just absolutely ludicrous. And now I guess I should know why they didn't actually teach this in law school. These are the kind of things that I think the law school professors avoid because they can't even talk about the Supreme Court like this in a manner that, you know, doesn't expose the judicial tyranny that we're talking about. I mean, just seriously, think about this. Of all of the misconduct that we can refer to in the federal judiciary, right? Seriously, you know, their, their adoption of all of the uh, secret court warrants, the trampling of the Fourth Amendment, their upholding of civil asset forfeiture, their, their absolute just complete ignorance about the right to keep and bear arms. Why, why has this not become more, uh, more, I, what's the word that I'm looking for? More, more, um, I don't know, whatever. Why are we complaining about this more? Why is this now just coming up? Because Dick Durbin wants to change this, right? So Dick Durbin and Chuck Grassley have introduced a bill this week that would tell the federal courts you can't use acquitted conduct. Now, this is really, I just want to say right now, drop this sort of in. This is really an amazing example of the checks and balances in the federal government. This is an amazing uh, display of how the legislature can check the, the, the judiciary. So the judiciary is engaging in this practice of acquitted conduct. And now the legislators are going to pass this law that says, guess what? We're going to deem it unlawful for the federal courts to use acquitted conduct. Do you want to hear something really crazy? Now it's going to be up to the Supreme Court to decide whether legislation telling the court not to use acquitted conduct is constitutional or not. I mean, seriously, can you kind of do that, that math thing there? The legislature says the courts can't use acquitted conduct. The Supreme Court has already said, yes, they can use acquitted conduct. And now somebody's going to challenge this legally. Some, some status despot's going to say, we need to be able to use acquitted conduct. The legislators are totally wrong. And then they're going to challenge that to the Supreme Court. 
the Supreme Court's going to get to look at that and say, hey, the legislature says we're wrong. Are we wrong? Tell me, sis, how long has this been going on? How long? I, I don't know how long this has been going on. I have no idea how long this has been going on. All I can tell you is that in in 2014 that the court said, uh, you know what? Uh, acquitted conduct is okay because it does not violate the 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 uh, double jeopardy clause, right? So it does not violate the double jeopardy clause, so we're not going to do this. The Supreme Court refused to even hear the case. What's interesting on Jones v. United States, Scalia joined up with Thomas and Ginsburg and dis dissented. We'll be more. We'll be right back. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. So Dick Durbin and Chuck Grassley have introduced a bill this week that would expressly prohibit the use of acquitted conduct in sentencing. Uh, it says, uh, Grassley says, if any American is acquitted of charges by a jury of their peers, then some sentencing judge should, shouldn't be able to find them guilty anyway and add to their punishment. That's not acceptable and it's not American. How about it's not constitutional, Grassley? How about the fact that it's completely contrary to every principle of due process and judicial human rights that have been established when kings ruled over courts. Seriously, I don't even, I cannot even wrap my brain around this. What's interesting, like I said, in 2014, the Supreme Court refused to hear the case Jones v. United States, said, no, 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 we already said a few years ago that this doesn't violate uh, double jeopardy, so, hey, we're going to let it go. And then Scalia, Thomas, and Ginsburg all dissented and talked about how of a despicable, unconstitutional, due process-destroying process that the, uh, these uh, uh, acquitted conduct actually is. But here's the thing. There is a new case that's coming up that that's uh, going to be uh, giving the Supreme Court another bite at that apple. And if yeah, what is that one? Vincent Asaro v. United States. So now what happens is, is Asar, the Asaro case has been brought to the Supreme Court, uh, and now they have to decide once again whether they're going to hear the case or not. Like the Jones v. United States case, they just, they just said, no, we're not even going to address this, all right? And I'm really glad that Scalia and Thomas and Ginsburg both jumped, all jumped in and said, hey, we were wrong for not taking this case. So now maybe the current judiciary will actually have the courage to stand up and say, this is no good, right? This is no good. And so in the Osario case, he's actually going to be challenging the acquitted conduct from, from, a fourth, uh, from a Sixth Amendment perspective and a Fifth Amendment perspective and, you know, the magic unicorn um, 14th Amendment as well. And 
So I think what's really going to be interesting here is because on top of the fact that we have the Supreme Court with the opportunity to review this acquitted conduct again, right, at the exact same time, we have bipartisan support for legislation that would make the federal judge's use of acquitted conduct illegal. I wonder, JC, if the law is passed that makes the use of acquitted conduct illegal. Does that mean that there will be criminal punishment for federal judges that use acquitted conduct? It's going to be interesting to read that. I doubt that anybody would have the real uh, courage to throw a judge in jail, although sometimes that needs to happen. So um, just curious to see how that's going to work out. So now you have political, bipartisan political movement in, in the direction of removing the, uh, the acquittal conduct plus the chance for the Supreme Court. So maybe now, with political pressure and the court all at the same time, the court will have the courage to set this aside. And we already know that Thomas will be against it. We know that Gorsuch will be against it. We know that Ginsburg will be against this, if she's still around, this acquittal conduct. So the question will be, yeah, <laughs> JC said she might not even be around now. Who knows? The, the, the Ginsburg doppelganger. Um, and so the question will be, uh, that was four, right? You have, you have Thomas, uh, Gorsuch, Ginsburg. Oh, so the question will be, what will the other uh, six justices do? What will they do? If Thomas is for reducing the power of the police state. I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around this. Maybe because it's not the police officers, it's the judges. Who knows? But this is, I, I think this is something that we're really, really going to have to look at. And I would love to hear, here's the thing, because if I came out and told you that Dick Durbin has an amazing piece of legislation that Chris Ann Hall is all behind. How many of you would be like, ah, Chris Ann's jumped the rails. She sided with Dick Durbin. No, I'm sorry, but you know what? The, the cult of personality doesn't hit Chris Ann, okay? So we're liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality, which means if Dick Durbin is right, I can agree with Dick Durbin. If the ACLU is right, I can agree with the ACLU. And so here we'll be right back. You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. up there JC <laughs> Dick Durbin <laughs> you guys are going to have so much fun with JC behind the, the picture helm back there <laughs> you got to get the hang of it <laughs> that is so awesome who's got his hand up his back oh nice 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 so you know I just it this this kind of stuff truly leaves me speechless and yet in the same breath, you will have these crazy, whacked-out judicial supremacists tell us 
that what the judges say are the supreme law of the land. How can this, this be viewed as a supreme law of the land? How come it's, how come we're not finding out about this? How come there hasn't been outrage for years about this? How come, where are the legislators? Obviously they know about this. Can you imagine, so let, me, let me draw this, paint this picture for you. We have been a federal supremacist society for quite a long time now. And the understanding is this. If something goes wrong, I'm going to write letters to my congressman. Okay? So you have people for years now being, a, being sentenced to crimes they've been found not guilty of. You can't tell me that not a single person has engaged in a letter campaign or lobbying against this kind of activity. You have civil rights groups who spend their entire coffers on judicial reform and on sentence review. You cannot tell me this. I want to know why not a single congressman has brought this to the forefront until now. I want to know. I seriously want to know. Rand Paul, where have you been on this, my friend? Justin Amash, what the heck, man? Matt Gates, seriously. Why do I have to find out? JC, why do I have to find about, out about this from Dick Durbin, of all people? I, I don't know. I'm just sort of put off about that. So the next story that I want to talk to you about is a story from Reason. Uh, why prosecutors should revisit their wins. And I'm going to shout out some kudos to Hillsborough County uh, in Florida, Hill Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew Warren. Now, this is not like a blanket endorsement of the guy because I really don't know where he stands on a lot of stuff. But on this particular issue, I want to bring this to light. And, you know, JC and I have talked about judicial reform a lot. We've talked about legislative reform. We've talked about creating committees of review for legislation. We've talked about creating committees of review for law enforcement activity. I mean, private citizen committees. And here's the thing that they want to do. And according to this Reason article, when three Tampa, Florida police officers were fired for misconduct earlier this year, Hillsborough County State Attorney Andrew Warren put his newly created Conviction Review Unit to work. The members poured over 225 closed cases that the officers, that these three officers who were fired, that these officers were involved in, and Warren's office ultimately vacated 17 convictions. Okay? I, I don't know, JC, can you give me a round of applause for something like that? Seriously. We have somebody who's saying, look, there is a way for us to review this. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bury this, this incident with these three officers because it makes us look bad. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about how state attorneys and DAs and police officers and sheriffs, they all think they're on the quote, same team. And so you have that, we're not gonna, you know, gotta watch out for the brothers on the same team kind of thing. And here we have a prosecutor who is a, a state attorney. He's he in Florida. He is the district attorney. He's the guy who's in charge of all the prosecutors in Hillsborough County, which 
There are a lot in Hillsborough County. And he said, look, we're going to, what these three officers did, what they were convicted of proves to us that their credibility is in question. We need to look back at their cases and find out, hey, did they actually do this in other cases? They found 17 convictions that were just like this that had to be a, where, where these people had to be acquitted. Uh, the Reason article says it was a relatively rare move by a prosecutor's office. In less scrupulous jurisdictions, the officer's misconduct might have been concealed under police secrecy laws, or the defendants might have been left to challenge their convictions in court. But Hillsborough County, that's Tampa, Florida, that's, that's the Tampa, Florida area, Hillsborough County, is one of the few dozen places, are you kidding me, in the United States, not the few dozen places in Florida, a few dozen places in the United States that has a unit dedicated to rooting out bad cases. Listen to what Warren says. In short, we felt that convictions cannot stand based exclusively on the testimony of discredited officers. Sometimes they're known as conviction integrity units, and they always operate within the prosecutor's office to investigate old cases for errors or misconduct that may have led to wrongful convictions. And the first one started in Dallas, Texas in 2007. Now there are around 45 across the country, mostly in major cities. See, this is really refreshing to me. When I was a prosecutor in Florida and I trained the new prosecutors coming in, I tried to instill in them certain principles. Principle number one, we are prosecutors, not persecutors. It is a not about winning at all costs. Because you see, a prosecutor is really, if you are involved in the criminal justice system, the prosecutor is the most powerful person in your life. The prosecutor is actually more powerful than the judge because the prosecutor determines whether your case ever even gets to the judge. So when I trained new prosecutors, I said, look, you are not only a prosecutor, you're a defense attorney. Because these are not numbers, these are not your statistics, these are not wins and losses, these are people's lives. And we don't toy with people's lives. I actually worked with a state attorney, not the one that, you know, mentored me through most of my career, but the one that would eventually, <coughs> fire me, who actually told and trained our prosecutors that they were to charge defendants with every crime possible so you could plea down the case. That means some people are being charged with crimes that are too egregious for the actions. you got to find the highest degree of, of criminal activity that you can charge them with so you can have something at the negotiating table so you can always get a win. That is unethical. That is despicable. But can I tell you that the majority of the prosecutor's offices in the United States operate that way. Charge up, plea down. That's the perspective. I never trained any prosecutor like that. You charge them with what they did, nothing more and nothing less. 
And if you have to fill in the blanks yourself, then you charge them with nothing at all. It's too bad we don't have more places like this. Uh, we have, and this is what I was talking about here. Um, conviction review units are an acknowledgement that public officials can suffer from tunnel vision, confirmation bias, professional ambition, and bureaucratic self-preservation. We know that wrongful convictions happen according to the Innocence Project. That's the, that was the name that I was trying to think of before in the, uh, in the last case that we were talking about. There are people out there, like the Innocence Project, they're the big name. The Innocence Project that's been trying, that, that brings things to Congress, that brings things in judicial review, they file appeals to get people acquitted. They're most famously known for DNA exoneration. So according to the Innocence Project, there have been 365 DNA exonerations in this country since 1989. Some of these exonerees were waiting for execution. But conviction review units require support and funding. Otherwise, they're more they're then they're they're no more than you know just somebody's hopeful dream. Of all the things that we fund with taxpayer dollars, shouldn't conviction review units be one of them? Seriously, shouldn't we be dedicated to liberty? Shouldn't we be looking to make sure all the time checks and balances people are not going to jail? They're not going to prison ever after having committed no crime at all. I don't know. As a society that's supposed to be dedicated to liberty, as a society whose governmental construct is built on fundamental aspects of due process, of liberty to all. Shouldn't these be the things that should drive our funding? It's sad is with, with the, these review units, you're having to yeah. expand government because yeah. they're not following yeah. the rules in the first place. Yes. Oh, that, that's a good point. JC says what's really sad is that uh, because we don't have these judicial review units, we actually have to expand so government. Oh, you're not following them? This is an yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, that's true. You've got to have an expansion of government because we're not actually... Oh, yeah, Mr. Kramer said that? Yeah. So we have to expand government by having judicial review units because we're not following due process from the get-go. Can I just slip in there a little thought to think about? If we were actually training these officers properly... You know, on the aspects of their duty to the rights of the people and not their duty to get the conviction and not their duty to enforce the law. Because sometimes even the laws are contrary to the principles of due process. If we taught our peace officers first and foremost the natural rights of the people and their duty to preserve them, then put in there a section. Can you imagine, J.C.? A section, a semester of law school training for every student that says due process and natural rights.
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Hey, I have a special, special announcement. The day has finally come. Woo! Yes, we've been talking about this. This was the fundraiser that you guys helped me out with. The day has finally come. Tomorrow, October 1st, 2019, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be doing our free talk live with Roger Paxton. You can find it at lfu.freetalklive.com. L-F-U, like Liberty First University. L-F-U at freetalklive. Uh, I'm sorry, lfu.freetalklive.com. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, you can see the it's up there on the website. Go to lfu.freetalklive.com and sign up for the notification. This is going to be an hour-long webinar where you can sign up and be a part of what we're doing. There's going to be a live Q&A session after the interview with Roger Paxton. I am so excited about this. We are going to be reaching so many new people. And you guys, call in to the Q&A. Submit your questions to the Q&A. You, through your questions and, and my answers, we can team up and we can educate people. We can really bring Liberty First to them. And after the what we've talked about today on the show, acquitted conduct, officers, three, let's just look at that, three officers, because of their misconduct, sent 17 people to prison that had no business being there. Seven, I mean, seriously, oh, it's just 17. 17 from three officers. How long has this been going on? What if they didn't catch them all? And you know what? I, call me crazy, JC, but one is too many. If one, if you're, if that's your child, if that's you, if that's your husband or your wife, one is too many. Our criminal justice system, people complain all the time about our criminal justice system, right? You know, that, that the, the loopholes for the defendant should get acquitted because of this, that, or the other. Look, our judicial system is set up so that maybe a guilty man will go free so that a free man will never go to prison. That's why the burden of proof is so high. That's why our judicial system, our due process system, our review system, our jury trial system is set up the way it is. So no innocent man ever goes to prison. And now we have proof that three officers sent 17 innocent people. Those those people will never get their lives back. Think about the cost of the taxpayers for keeping those 17 people in prison. And now the lawsuits. These people are going to have to, these people are deserving of restitution. They have monetary, 17 years of their lives gone. They didn't earn wages. They couldn't provide for family. They couldn't get their education. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars of restitution. And I'm sorry, but that's why I want to shout out kudos to State Attorney Andrew Warren. Because he had to know 
the the financial ramifications of all this, the political ramifications of all of this, the the backlash that he's going to get because of this. And he said, you know what? We don't want guilt, innocent people in prison. Let me just read this to you again. In short, we felt that convictions cannot stand based exclusively on the testimony of discredited officers. I find this so very refreshing. Listen to what he says. The reality is that we're doing our jobs because we want to make our community safer and because we believe in justice and fairness. Having innocent people in prison does not advance that mission. We're not perfect. And so just having a mechanism to go back and try to right a wrong that may have occurred is a good thing. Do you know what? So much pride in these, in these industries of law enforcement and judiciary. It is so refreshing to see a guy say, look, we're not perfect, but we want to fix these mistakes. I want to tell you that we, could, we can't eliminate these mistakes because people will be corrupt and people will be immoral. But look, we can lessen their frequency with proper training. And we can do that at lfu.freetalklive.com. We can do that here. Share these shows. Share what we're doing. And join us again. God bless you guys. Hope to see you tomorrow. Bye. Now go.